Om Jnana Timnandasya Jnana Salakya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guruve Namaha Shri Chaitana Bistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swampadantikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Uttapadakamalam Sri Gurum Vaisnamuscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitantam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitantam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lanita Shri Vitamscha Shri Krishna Chaitanya Chananda Shri Advaita Gadadar Shri Vasudhi Kaura Bhaktavinna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare Hare Okay So today um wanting to read from Chapter 9, Ethics. Right and wrong. A good man does nothing for the sake of appearance, but for the sake of doing right. Epictetus, Discourses 3.24. Hmm. To do nothing for the sake of appearance, but for the sake of doing right. No pretense. Mm. So, Sokti, Sanskrit, Kutinati means to to pretend. Kutinati is also considered uh, to be based on a fruitive mentality, on on a business mentality. In other words, always for our gain and profit in each situation. And then pretense easily comes in. Um, uh, we can also speak about arjavam, that a person should be uh, very simple and, uh, and just have no, no secret. And basically... Uh, be uh, be an open book. There are no sinful activities, so there's nothing to hide. That is ideal. Arjavam, being so simple and pure that there's nothing to hide. Hmm. All right, these are like. Uh, both from our Greek philosophers as from our Vedic uh, scriptures, things we may strive for, uh, not so easy to never be conscious of appearance, to never do anything for, for any recognition, to be free from any desire for recognition, to be free from... Uh, from people looking up to us, to be free from all such qualities is maybe difficult. Um, so there's an element. Uh, the first element is the state of the heart and whether such things are completely absent in the heart. 
The second element is that even if there are some things like this in the heart, then to check it immediately. And when the thought comes to, to uh, pursue uh, any self-aggrandizement or uh, any form of pretense to try and, and cut it. This may be more or less successful. So these are all like part of uh, an effort to consciously reform, to uh, by setting external morals, to try to create an internal transformation. That's not so easy. Uh, this fails. Uh, there is a book of Ignatius de Loyola, who is the founder of the Jesuit order. And Ignatius de Loyola has a book called Spiritual Exercises. In Spiritual Exercises, the theme is whenever there is an inappropriate thought or act, repentance. And so one is supposed to repent about the inappropriate action or thought. Then if it somehow or other occurs again, then one is to repent that one's repentance wasn't sincere and so on. So this is repenting and repenting and repenting. And uh, so Ignatius de Loyola with his spiritual exercises has really emphasized that process by trying by some external adjustment to change one's character or making the conscious effort to change. So this is, a, is, is an element in, uh, in ethics, yes. Um, but there is another element, yeah, at least in the, in the Vedic culture, that is recognized that doing service for the Supreme Lord. So even without uh, consciously trying to uh, change one's character, one one's character will automatically change by service to the Supreme Lord. So it is by the process of devotional service, the impurities will, uh, will, will be removed from the heart. Uh, the heart becomes purified by uh, chanting the holy name and by devotional service. So, um, we also understand that this works in, uh, in service in other religions say a person is dedicating his life in, in, in service of a church and is doing many, makes a lot of sacrifice for the church and then he becomes uh, purified within that activity because that is also a level of, of devotional service. Um, it may not be the. It may not be completely clear and completely. Uh, the focus may not be cent percent clear. So there is. Uh, so it stays on a lower level. Um, yeah, um, but sometimes it can go very far. Uh, Teresa de Avila who is following a process of, of prayer and service, is describing that a devotee gradually becomes purified from material influences and comes to the point where, um, where there is union with God. 
Um, she doesn't speak about merging with God, becoming one with God, but union meaning to say one in purpose and, and totally dedicated in love. And as that is the case, uh, she speaks about becoming stunned. Now, we find descriptions about, uh, in the spirit of, of dedication, becoming the bride of, of Jesus. So that's quite, uh, quite something. That is certainly uh, serving with complete dedication in a conjugal mood. However, it's still not the same as understanding uh, the conjugal ras with Krishna, because there is the whole uh, understanding of Krishna uh, performing his conjugal pastimes with his eternal associates. Uh, and ultimately, uh, one may attain uh, a permanent spiritual identity. Uh, so let me just, for a more general audience, try to explain. So in the concept of bhakti, there is the spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, God as Krishna has a personal form. And God as Krishna is then performing, he's ever youthful, ever fresh, and he lives there in a village. And in the village he has different relationships. Uh, there are living beings who are neutral, in, in, in a neutral relationship with him of awe and reverence and worship, but are not becoming active in service. There are those who are in a relationship of servitorship, those who are in a relationship of friendship. Uh, the young boys of Vrindavan are friends with Krishna, and they are with him, playing and in the forest, and every day they are together. Then there are, there's the parental mood. The parents, they are feeling even, um, they're very absorbed. They're always thinking how to uh, protect their son. And so Nanda and Yasoda, Krishna's parents are just totally absorbed, totally absorbed in, in caring for Krishna, praying for his welfare. No, they have no other interest. Mm. Ah. Yes, and then there is the Kanjukuras, the young maidens of Vrindavan who are, who are worshipping Krishna in, as their lover and who are in a most intimate relationship with Krishna, the gopis of Vrindavan. So now here's the conjugal relationship. So if through bhakti one is developing the conjugal relationship, then one is also at the same time having the entire, uh, one begins to enter the eternal experience of the, the spiritual world. Uh, I don't see how that is, is happening in this conjugal uh, relationship as the bride. Of, of Jesus. It is uh, there in the spiritual world. Um, the Supreme Lord is, um, is going to manifest his, his original form. Yes. And um, because, yes, it raises the question. Yeah. It's like sometimes uh, in Africa, as I'm driving around, I see um, messages from strong Christians. And I see in, in the garden a big sign. It is that Jesus is Lord. So, okay. Yeah, so Jesus is God. Uh, fine. We have no difficulty with that at all. Yes, he is God. The question is, how is he God? Right? Not that he is God, but how is he God? So Jesus, he becomes, he is a, 
living being. He is the Son, right? And when the Holy Spirit of the Father enters within to the Son, then the Son becomes empowered and he transcends the limitations of being an ordinary soul. He becomes an empowered soul who carries the special uh, div divine love and divine energy of the Supreme Lord. So in this way, in Sanskrit, this is known as Shakti Avesh. So he would be described as a Shakti Avesh avatar. Um, now, one could say God descends into human form in the sun. Right? And in the, uh, in the concept of Shakti Avesh avatar, uh, avatar also mean, means he who descends. So it refers to God who descended. And now his Shakti Avesh, his spiritual power, uh, that person who he is, who is his Vaya Media, becomes the embodiment of his divine power. And thus, uh, there is no difference between the, the Father and the Son in the case of the Shakti Avesh, in that sense. In another sense, there is a difference in the case of the Shakti Avesh, uh, because uh, there is still the original Supreme Lord in his original form. And that is different than the form that he manifests as the Shakti Avesh. So the Vedic literature recognizes uh, a number of Shakti Avesh manifestations of or avatars of the Supreme Lord. So in that way, we can say, we can agree, yes, Jesus is God. Now, if we enter with Jesus into a uh, conjugal relationship, yes, all right, that is a preparation. But ultimately, we have to then transfer that relationship to Krishna to express the conjugal relationship in full. Uh, because Krishna provides the pastimes. Yes. In order to fully uh, fully ec experience those pastimes, yes, then one has to enter into the form, into an eternal form, a spiritual form of a young girl who has a beautiful spiritual body which is aimed at pleasing the Supreme Lord. So, Anyway, carrying on with ethics. Today I brought out the book and it weighs a kilo. Oh. Or two, I don't know, it's heavy. Uh, who can hesitate? to number among the folds an affectation which makes one ashamed to do what is right. Quintilian, Institutio Oratia, 12.5. Yeah, okay, but under social pressure, huh? under social pressure, uh, a man may become, uh, a man may become uh, influenced um, by by peer pressure. Sometimes it is uh, it is strongly condemned to do the right thing. Oh, one uh, one may in that way in that case um, in that case uh, one may uh, deviate uh, from doing the right thing. So it takes it takes courage. Uh, it takes courage to stand up and to to stand up uh, in a world uh, 
which may have things wrong. I mean, you can see that Prabhupada uh, did that on many occasions. Prabhupada told the, the hippies who were uh, against war uh, uh, because of Vietnam and didn't want to be drafted, didn't want to go to Vietnam, so love and peace and no war. And Prabhupada is speaking to a generation who's into love and peace and, and no war. Uh, uh, he's explaining how Arjuna had to surrender and had to fight. And no problem. When, when Prabhupada is dealing with uh, feminists, Prabhupada is, uh, is explaining, is, is making statements that uh, he said, a woman always has to subjugate to a man. She can choose to subjugate to one or to many. Um, those things were uh, very, uh, very strong. And uh, what to do with that? Um, what to do with that? Um, sometimes Prabhupada was uh, perceived as as suffering from, uh, from male chauvinism. But that is not at all uh, the issue. That is not the issue. Uh, we're dealing uh, with a person who is, is not identifying, not living, not thinking from the body. He consistently is thinking from the platform of, of the soul from an eternal identity. And Prabhupada is only interested in one topic. Uh, and when whatever topic he's discussing, he is always discussing that topic from one perspective. And that is the perspective as to how can we, through this particular topic, increase our relationship with the Supreme Lord. How can we increase our love, our loving service to the Supreme Lord? And that's at every moment, Prabhupada's only interest. So, in a society uh, where uh, there are other aims, where the aim is not to increase one's loving relationship with the Supreme Lord, where the goal of society is not self-realization, where in a society where the goal of the society is, uh, is to enjoy in this material world, yes, then there are different values. So in a society that is based on, on pure spiritual principles and where the goal in the state where the goal in the entire, uh, in every community, on every level, is simply to go back to Godhead. Yes, such a society is uh, is having very different uh, different roles. Um, in such a society, uh, maybe there is no need for many things. Yes, and in such a society. Uh, so whatever Prabhupada says must always be seen from, from that perspective. Hmm. Okay. So carrying on in our discussion, Discussion on uh, on ethics. It is owing to the various conditions of man that certain acts are virtuous for some, as being proportionate and fitting to them, while they're vicious for others, as being not proportioned to them. Well, yes, the relativity of of good and bad. Right? What is good on a material plane? Uh, what is good for me may not be good for the other. Uh, 
if it depends what kind of uh, morality we maintain. If, uh, if I go for jungle law, uh, then in jungle law, killing is good, right? Um, if, if I follow jungle law and I kill someone, then I am good and he's bad because he's dead and I'm alive, you see? So that's jungle law, which is interesting. Uh, um, naturally, uh, that is a, is a, is a, is a heavy, uh, heavy society based on jungle law. But still, the point is that there are different standards of wrong, right and wrong according to various uh, situation in life. However, there is, it depends on the purpose, not only like a human purpose, on a human purpose, we are all finding ourselves as human beings in a different position and therefore wrong and right uh, looks different from different perspectives when we just look at it from the sheer human platform. But a human being can grow and a human being can elevate himself beyond the just human platform by uh, looking at what is the purpose of God. And when the human being thoroughly understands the purpose of God, then the human being's judgment is lifted up to a divine position. And he looks at things now from God's perspective. And he measures everything by the perspective of the Supreme Lord. Uh, in the initial stages, uh, only through scripture can a person know the will of God. In a fully realized stage, he can also know the will of God from, uh, from within. Um, then he is in a direct connection with the Supreme Lord. But that still needs to be confirmed by the scripture. So not that he's inspired from within, feels this direct connection and it's contradictory to the scripture. No, he must follow. Still the, the scripture is still the yardstick. Anyway, so man can become uplift, uplifted to a platform where, which is the platform of divine consciousness. And in divine consciousness, he is becoming the via media, the, con the conduit of the, of the will of the Lord. Then he has no other interest than the interest of the Lord. And he just becomes an instrument. Uh, that is the theme of the Bhagavad Gita, where Arjuna is, is applying mundane morality from a human point of view and is not willing to, to follow the will of the Lord. But after Krishna has explained, after Krishna has presented arguments, then Arjuna finally surrenders and he becomes Savisachi. Savisachin. He becomes uh, the, uh, the representative, the instrument of the Supreme Lord. So that is the enlightened state, and that is the state of true morality. Only then uh, can you get free from this relative morality, relative right and wrong, where your right and wrong may be in conflict with my right and wrong. Uh, yes. Okay, let's see. Wow. We find in history a thousand examples uh, of pusillanimous or ambitious rulers who were ruined by their slackness or their pride. 
not one who suffered for having been strictly just, but we ought not to confound negligence with moderation or clemency with weakness. To be just, it is necessary to be severe. To permit vice when one has the right and power to suppress it is to be oneself vicious. Okay, now one minute, I have to look up that word, uh, because that was over my head. Uh, what is this? Uh, oh, oh, type it in. Uh, P-U-S-I-L-L-A-N-I-M-A-S. Never heard of that word. Oh, pusillanimous, pusillanimous, that's how it's pronounced, pusillanimous, all right. Showing a lack of courage or determination, timid, okay, so let's read that again. We find in history a thousand examples of pusillanimous or uh, timid or ambitious rulers who were ruled by their slackness or their pride, not one who suffered for having been strictly just. Um, yes, I mean, okay, it's it's difficult uh, actually to rule, uh, to be in charge, and uh, to uh, to have the, have the courage to uh, stand up for what is right, to have the courage to be different from public opinion. Uh, that's very difficult to speak out completely um, against the, uh, the zeitgeist, against the spirit of the time. It's very rare. Uh, somehow or other, the tendency is to conform. And uh, it is very, very strong. And uh, many, many tests are done and, 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 uh, in psychology. Uh, there's the famous ones uh, about the elevator, where um, there is a man who is higher in a building, stepping into an elevator. He has a head. Now, he has been... He's wearing this hat every day, and it's sort of part of his natural uh, way he dresses. So uh, everybody knows he wears a hat, and he steps into the elevator. Now what happens is one floor down, two men also step in the elevator, and they're both wearing hats. Uh, then as the elevator goes down, the two men who have hats, who just came in, one takes off his hat and holds it, and then the other one also takes it off his hat and holds it. And they're just looking uh, in front of themselves and they're not paying attention. And then you see that after a while, the original man with the hat also takes off his hat. It's uh, an example of how people tend to conform. So here we're speaking about leadership. So leaders must not be too timid to speak up for what is right, and they must not be too ambitious to, with their own personal agenda, to do what is right. Uh, we know that stories of kings whose son, uh, whose, whose son committed a crime, and the king would punish his own son. Uh, things like that. Uh, one, uh, kings who would really stand up for what is wrong and right. So leadership requires a high level of ethics, a high level. Therefore, leadership requires a high level of 
education, in ethics. Otherwise, how is there a question of leadership? A high sense of what is what is right and what is wrong. Um, so a serious education is needed so that one uh, doesn't become overwhelmed in situations, but that one really thoroughly understands at all time what one's duty is. Mm. Yes. Mm. So it says here, to be just, it's necess necessary to be severe, to permit, oh, no, sorry, I should go one sentence back. But we ought not to confound negligence with moderation or clemency with weakness. To be just, it is necessary to be severe, to permit vice when one has the right and power to suppress it is to be oneself vicious. Yes, it is. One has a duty uh, to restrict, to restrict those who are uh, acting brutal uh, and who, and uh, those who are in incorrigible, right? those who are incorrigible are to be punished. Uh, the, the Vedic culture uh, did have uh, a, death, a death sentence, right? which is something very difficult to swallow for, uh, for modern people um, in many cases. Um, some countries are still uh, adhering to death sentences, and, um, but it is often considered something uh, to, to respond to brutal behavior with brutal punishment. Uh, uh, whereas it is felt one should correct the person. However, uh, the point is made, there is a level of criminals who are incorrigible uh, and who are maybe so much up to a level of, uh, of brutal and degraded behavior that we cannot in any way, uh, through punishment, correct them. Hmm. Well, the Vedic literature uh, sees these things uh, in, in, a, in, a connect, in a context of karma and says that certain people have engaged in, uh, in sinful activities and the amount of karma that they have accrued by that activity is going to be uh, a great obstacle, not only in this life, but also in next lives. However, for example, a murderer. But if the person then uh, who has committed this heinous act would be would be killed in the death penalty, then he would be relieved from that sinful karma uh, in that punishment, and he could start in a next life in a more uh, in a better position. So okay, that's another way of of. Uh, of looking at things. And now Vedic, Vedic uh, culture considers this uh, a law of nature and therefore acts uh, and therefore is in favor of, uh, of death penalty in, in, in such cases of extreme, uh, extreme brutal acts. Um, yeah, uh, well, th the main topic is now not the uh, yes, yes, death penalty or no death penalty. Uh, the the topic is it's it's uh, sometimes when there is serious vice, one one cannot just be uh, 
be lenient, one has to uh, draw a line. And the line has to be drawn, A, to set as an example to society at large from this is not acceptable. Uh, the ruler has a duty to govern and the ruler has a duty to set an example for, for the people. Therefore, such crime cannot be condoned. And the ruler then has to protect society from potential harm from, uh, from such a brutal person doing it again. And the ruler has the duty to uh, correct, to try and correct the, uh, the criminal. So yes, justice is, uh, is a complex issue. It's a complex issue. To be a judge is, is a difficult task. Uh, and I myself, I don't know if I would make a great judge. Uh, uh, maybe I'm a bit on the uh, on the lenient side, on the mercy side. But then again, yeah, I am uh, I am after all uh, one of these madmen of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I'm after all one of these uh, these. Uh, agents, agents of the most magnanimous avatar, he who is extending his mercy to the most fallen. Uh, but, O oh Jagai Madai, O oh fallen brothers, who had engaged in arson, who had murdered, who had raped, who had stolen, who had, who were always drunk and intoxicated, who had really like committed mountains and mountains of sinful, of gross, brutal, sinful activity. Oh, Jagai and Madai. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nichananda forgave Jagai and Madai, it was on one condition. Sin no more. So yes, uh, that ultimately one has to respond to mercy. One can receive mercy. Mercy may be given, but one has to respond to it. And if someone doesn't respond, yes, then we are forced to restrict that person, uh, what can be done? Yes. So, uh, speaking in a general way, a person is understood to deserve good if he does right, evil if he does wrong, and in a more particular sense, to deserve good from those to whom he does, or has done, done good and evil from those to whom he does or has done evil. The precept of returning good for evil has never been regarded as a case of the fulfillment of justice, but as one in which claims of justice are waived in obedience to other considerations. Mill. Yes. So uh, these other considerations are that the criminal can be transformed if the criminal actually makes a, has a change of heart. And if the criminal becomes a devotee of the Lord, if a criminal has a change of heart, it's that all debts are paid. Then all debts are paid. When he becomes a devotee, when one becomes fully devoted to the Supreme Lord, all debts are paid. A debt to the... So, in that case, a person... Those could be the, the, the circumstances, but otherwise, uh, the definition is quite... makes sense. 
A person is understood to deserve good if he does right, evil if he does wrong, and in more particular sense, to deserve good from those he, to whom he does or has done good, and evil from, from those to whom he has done or has done evil. The precept of returning good for evil has been regarded as a case of the fulfillment of justice, but as has never been regarded as a case of fulfillment of justice, but as one in which the claims of justice are waived in obedience to other considerations. Well, so right and wrong. Um, ultimately, uh, we spoke about right and wrong from the relative platform measured, measured by humanity, uh, measured by, by humanity. What is those who filled their ships with, with gold in foreign lands and sailed these ships back to their homeland were, were heralded as wonderful heroes. They brought great prosperity to, to their land. They became honored. Um, they are still, still remembered as, as those who made a great contribution to society. Uh, statues were erased, but as Shakespeare mentioned, what, um, let me see if I can find this, uh, because it's a very nice quote, dark. Mm. Okay, one second, I need to, I'll try it. Define the quote, the quotes. Quotes. If I find it, I'll find it. If I don't find it, don't worry. yet uh, Shakespeare it is about all the dark and sinful things uh, behind the wealth of this world I'll find that quote and I'm going to uh, to, to uh, read it out later yes but the point is made that, uh, so then in the one place, the person who brings the ship of gold is glorified uh, as, the, as the great hero. And in the other hero, he, in the other country where he took everything, he is considered to be the, the greatest villain. Uh, yes. So now one can uh, now we look for judgment, what is right and wrong, and we investigate. Uh, we say, yes, he stole that wealth. He is, he is guilty, yes. In the other place, he, uh, he boosted the economy. He, uh, he, he saved many people. He, uh, he built schools, he, uh, he uh, educated poor children, he provided housing 
for those who are living in very in great conditions of poverty. This man, he did a lot of uh, welfare work in society, but this is not uh, is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. This is uh, no welfare work should be welfare work for all. Um, and when we are measuring by a divine measure of, uh, of right and wrong, then we see that we measure by the, by the standard of the Supreme Lord. And he is Suridam Sarvadeinam. He's the well-wisher of all living beings. So then not what is good for some and bad for others. No, the well-wisher of all living beings. And therefore, um, that is true morality. The true sense uh, of, of, of right and wrong must be based on, uh, yes, the well-wishes to become the well-wisher of all living entities. Suridam Sarvadeena. Thank you for being with us again and uh, hope to uh, meet you here once more in this uh, awkward place, uh, a place uh, who would want to meet on the internet. I wish I could meet you in in a beautiful place in nature. But here we are, somehow or other, meeting on such an awkward place. But then, once we discuss about Krishna, we forget all about it, that we are here in, in this artificial arrangement. Just see. So even the wrong can become right when Krishna is in the center. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Kijaya.